This is the Rich Eisen Show. Hey! Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. T.J. Watt here. How would you categorize your role? T.J. Watt with the trifecta. As an outside linebacker in a 3-4 defense for the Pittsburgh Steelers, you have to be a playmaker. T.J. Watt got a piece of that ball. Earlier on the show, Pro Football Hall of Famer Dick Butkus. Fox Sports Rules Analyst Dean Blandino. Coming up. Executive producer of the Earning It podcast, Jane Skinner Goodell. Plus, actor C. Thomas Howell. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Hour number three of the Rich Eisen show is on the air. Uh, first hour, Dick Buckus was on the show. Um, and he watched uh, the Bears game uh, last night. Um, just to sum it up. Uh, he was, what's the word for it? Pissed. That's the word for it. <laughs> yeah. Did he curse a couple times? Mm-hmm. Dick Buckus, when he was on? He, he, he did. Oh, that's he the greatest. Did. And we talked about the Miller Lite commercials from back in the day. He was very angry. And, 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 and also, um, you know, um, I don't want to give too much away because I want you to go to our YouTube page if you missed it, youtube.com slash Rich Eisen Show. Um, I, I think the biggest piece of news that he gave us is that he was in the running for uh, uh, um, uh, an offshoot. A MacGyver. Like of, spin-off. Of Maga- a spinoff of MacGyver <laughs> yeah. starring Dick Buckus. Yeah, that was huge. How did that not happen? Uh, seems like a misstep. <laughs> uh, Dean Blandino, uh, former head of NFL refs, now Fox Rules analyst, was on the program. A spirited conversation here based on the way the Monday Night Football game uh, wrapped up last night. Um, and uh, if you missed any of that, go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Rich Eisen Show. The film The Outsiders, which is came out in 1983. Oh, my God. So that movie's closing in on 40 years old. Wow. Um, it's out on 4K and digital today. And uh, uh, talking about that movie that people love so much, C. Thomas Howell will be on this program coming up shortly. Uh, but we turn right now uh, to the phone lines right now, our guest phone line. Right now on the Rich Eisen Show, there's a new show coming out uh, produced by NBC and NFL Films, a television series called Earning It, the NFL's Forward Progress, which I don't believe is about the uh, rescinding of the emphasis of the taunting rule, unfortunately. Uh, fortunately, what it is, it is making sure everybody understands about what's called being called Breaking the Grass Ceiling. It's a groundbreaking new podcast featuring the stories of women in the NFL. It's hosted by the NFL's Senior Director of Diversity and Inclusion, Sam Rappaport, and it is executive produced by Jane Skinner Goodell, a longtime television anchor for 20 years and now at the forefront of the National Football League, as always, back here on the Rich Eisen Show, Jane Skinner Goodell. How are you, Jane? Hey, Rich. Uh, it's not about the taunting rule, but it is produced by a Bears fan. So, <laughs> so <laughs> you know, uh, but, do, do you do don't you... get me in trouble by asking me my opinion about last <laughs> night? <laughs> okay, so do you at least uh, turn to who might ever be uh, next to you on the couch or, <laughs> or in that famous Barca lounger that I saw on a Zoom years ago and say, what gives? Does that ever well, happen for you? Let's just say okay. we have a family group text. I grew up in Chicago, as mm-hmm. you know. We have a mm-hmm. family group text going that um, the commish is on, so he hears it. He hears it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't need to say a word. <laughs> You let the rest of the text exchange kick it up the chain of command. You know who is just most savage on the text is my 83-year-old mom, biggest Bears fan you'll ever meet. Okay. 
Uh, she do, can lay it down. Okay. Do Do you want to let us know what she texted to the group last night? Or <laughs> it was we... all clean. It was all clean. Okay, good. Yeah, very <laughs> good. It is a family show. But she very loves good. her bears very much. Very so. good. Okay, so let's talk about this pod that dropped, as the kids say, today. Uh, why and, and what would you like people to know about it? Well, you know, it, it's actually I'm producing a podcast and a TV series, which is going to be on Peacock, which ah. you're familiar with. That's coming in January. Very good. Um, but the idea is it's it's really it's a ton of there's a ton of football in both the podcast and the series, but they're really about change. And so, as you said, I worked in, you know, as a TV reporter for 20 years, and I guess I know a good story. or I love a good story. And the concept, if I had told you and Chris five or six years ago that there would be at the Super Bowl 2021, that there would be a female official on the field, there would be two female coaches who are on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Super Bowl winning team, you probably would have looked at me like I had three heads. Mm-hmm. Um, so the pace of change of bringing women into the most male-dominated sport in the world um, has been just so rapid. And within five years' time, there, you know, I think this year there are six full-time female coaches. I think this summer there were 12 in some interns and training camps. And it's remarkable to me. So I really, what I really wanted to do is just kind of chronicle it and talk a lot, really honestly, about how, how that idea came about, first of all, and how that change actually happens. You know, you can't just wave a magic wand and say, hey, let's have some diversity and inclusion. There's, you know, it's a lot of challenges, um, but there are a ton of people that we talk to, a, ton, a lot of head coaches, players mm-hmm. who have been very instrumental in the change. And I think people might be surprised to kind of hear the story about how it has all happened and how it's playing out and how it's just beginning. Okay. Who'd you have on? Who'd you get uh, to... Uh, as guests well, here and part of the show. Episode one is Roger Goodell. I've which, heard of him. Okay. <laughs> Good, were, great we booking. Actually, we had to make it episode two. It's kind of like episode one B uh-huh. because he sat with Sam Rappaport, the host, wh- whose idea this all was, by the way. She created the pipeline for women, which is why she's hosting this. And she has, she's fantastic. She played uh, professional women's tackle football. She was a quarterback, so she knows the game. Uh, better than you, Rich, I might even say. <laughs> so, well, she is a better athlete. She could run, run, Rich, run. Uh, <laughs> run, Sam, run. I like yeah. that. Okay. Um, anyhow, so, but she, he sat with her. It was a 30-minute uh, interview window, and she, he sat with her for two hours. Uh, they talked a ton about football. They talked a ton about the importance of diverse voices and and how players and coaches and teams, organizations just want to win, mm-hmm. and they don't care what you look like, or what gender you are, what ethnicity, race, where you were born, where you came from, if you can help me win and teach me. Um, you know, ways to do that. I'm all in. Um, so we talked to him. We talked to Kevin Stefanski of the Browns, Ron Rivera, Washington football team. Um, Sean McDermott at the Bills is great. Um, you know, his daughter dressed up as a female coach for Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, Billie Jean King came on, which was incredible because she and Bruce Brazarians was on too. And she and Bruce are kind of have a mutual admiration society. Um, and she was fantastic just about talking about how you have to be pragmatic. If you want to change something, you know, and somebody says no or stands in your way or doesn't believe in it, move on because you are going to find someone. And in this case, there are men, right, that have to be involved and are involved and are very involved um, and find the ones who want to help you make the change. And you can't waste your time worrying about the ones who don't. Um, and then the last episode, which I don't want to give it away, okay. but we're going to do an all-access pass to the making of the Super Bowl halftime show. It's 
uh, executive produced by a woman. Mm-hmm. And we have a special guest, um, mystery guest, who's mm-hmm. going to take us, be like our halftime historian, kind of take us through the history in audio format okay. of halftime, which will be super fun. Earn and It, again, is the name of this podcast, and then a, a, a five-part series coming to NBC and uh, coming to Peacock in January, which is yeah. good. Okay. And I'm impressed because most people say earning with a G, but Rich, you're so bright that you got it. It's well, earning. Well, it's earnin an apostrophe, it. Jane. I mean, yes. you know, I mean, you understand what a lead pipe wielding professional broadcaster and host <laughs> sounds like, you know, so you would know that. I mean, it says earning it right here. Um, okay. And so um, what do you want people to know out of this thing? I mean, like literally, because uh, we, we do hear about diversity. We hear about inclusivity. And um, and clearly, you know, as you call it, it's a male-dominated sport. Um, what do you want people to get out of this? I think the most important thing is it's we're not making this is a really big deal for me to say we're not making female content for women. We are making content that mm-hmm. is for everyone. You know, it's obviously for football fans because we've got head coaches, players, the commission coming on ton of football. But if, even if you're not a football fan, it's really a story. We're talking about a story about change in 2021 um, and how that plays out and, and how you navigate obstacles. It's a story about perseverance, resilience. Uh, you know, Sam is very big on going there and asking the questions. When you're Sarah Thomas, she said to her, what is the worst thing that people have said to you on the field? And they give strategies, which I think is really helpful for, like, think about your kids as they're navigating a world with social media and there's, you know, just negativity out there. And they all give strategies for how do you deal with that and how do you deal with obstacles in your way and, um, you know, be resilient. Um, so I think at the end of the day, it's the lessons that are offered here are for kind of all generations and also for other industries. If there are, you know, other industries out there that are trying to, you know, kind of change the makeup of how they do things and bring in other points of view, it's a pretty interesting experiment that the NFL has done and done brilliantly. It's not without its challenges, um, and they're still in the process of it. It's only five years in, so... I guess that's a lot that okay. I want people to take from it. But. Well, I mean, I, I, I listened to the first episode, uh, Jane, on the way down uh, to work today. Um, and uh, can you tell Sam Rappaport for me, you know, um, uh, that should I should I be concerned that she wants my host chair? Because, you know, I'm not saying I need to be in charge of diversity and inclusion. You know, it should go both ways. You know what I mean? Like, because she did, did she, did she make the commissioner cry? Did she pull some sort of like, you know, Roy Firestone moment on him? She did, did she that didn't happen? mean to, but he did start to cry. <laughs> I think she felt bad. But then, you know, she's like you and I, she's a real broadcaster. And she said, Ooh, I think that's a tease. We right. made the commissioner cry. Okay. So that actually <laughs> happened All right, in episode one. Very good. Okay, Jane, uh, I really appreciate the time. Good luck with this pod and people can get it all where, where, where podcasts are required now. And then look in January for the five part series right here on Peacock. Correct. Yeah. Peacock. So, okay. Very Thanks, good. Rich. No, you got it. Uh, anything else I need to know? What's going on? What do you? What do you guys? What are you guys uh, uh, binge watching? What has the commissioner of the National Football League and his wife been watch, binge watch? Do you have time for that sort of thing? What do you? We watching? rewatch and mm-hmm. rewatch and mm-hmm. rewatch NFL football games. Are you serious? Come that on. That is the rule in our house. There's no other television allowed. There's no Game of Thrones. There's no. <laughs> there's no Succession. The commissioner's not watching Succession. We have been trying um, a little Ted Lasso, a little okay. Succession, just kind of your typical ones. But I'm not kidding you. When you know what he's like, it's all football all the time. So, okay. as my dad said, when Roger 
asked him if he could marry me. I've prepared her well for this life. Okay, very good. (laughs) Jane Skinner Goodell, thanks very much. Um, I look forward for everybody else catching the podcast, earning it. As I said correctly, um, it's called uh, Earning It. Go uh, go get it. We're all podcasts are quiet right now. Thanks for the time. Thanks, Rich. You Bye, got Chris. It. You got it. There you go. There's, there's Jane Skinner Goodell right there saying goodbye to you. Well, we, we met. We had a great time at the Super Bowl. That's true. And sweet. And That's true. Minneapolis. She, so. she must not hear your thoughts on Deflategate. <laughs> Clearly. Ever. She must she agree must with me. Idiot. <laughs> 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 Chris, I'm going to walk here. Shut up, okay? <laughs> Careful. I'm going to walk. All right. It's <laughs> your <laughs> <Some> problem. <laughs> what, are you trying to tell us something? No, I'm not telling you anything. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Okay. Um, so, uh, let's take a break. And we'll come back, and uh, C. Thomas Howell is going to join us. This is pretty cool, man. Well, yeah. By the way, before we take a break, real quick. Do you know he 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 was in uh, E.T.? Are you aware of that? Really? Yes. I was not aware of that. He was in E.T. I think him performing well in E.T., I think he was Henry Thomas's older brother. All right, hold on. In E.T., I bet you that's what put him on uh, Coppola's radar screen. He was Tom Howell back then. So Tom Howell and E.T., the extraterrestrial, in 1982. His first gig. And then the Outsiders in 83. Jeez. Pony Boy Curtis. How about that? Spielberg and Coppola right out of the gate. Back to back. How about them apples? That is amazing. You're thinking, does life get any better than this? (laughs) Well, here's what you're going to love. Here's what you're going to love. We have um, a special... A celebrity true or false just on The Outsiders coming up. Mm-hmm. And we also had Rob Lowe here previously saying yeah. that Tom Cruise was the biggest badass of all time. Uh-huh. And that's where he learned that Cruise just shortens the name of all of his movies to just one word in the title. It's the greatest thing of all time. Talking about, you know, instead of all the right moves, when I was making moves, right? Yeah. Back on the set of moves. Back on the set of moves. Fantastic. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. See Thomas Howell when we come back here on the Rich Eisen Show and your phone calls, 844-204-RICH, number to dial. I would love to see that text exchange with Jane Skinner's, Goodell's Bears family and friends <laughs> last night. Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, I'm just not myself. You know the deal. You know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So Sleep Number helps me. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets. 
at the Rich Eisen Show, and every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it, and then the all-in prices. That's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use my code rich for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Visit gametime.co for restrictions. Again, create an account, redeem my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. This is the Rich Eisen Show. When we, we when we heard, hey, do you want to have C. Thomas Howell yes. on? That was it. <laughs> that was it. That was it. Yes. Right. And and then it's just like, hey, to support the fact that The Outsiders, made in 1983, is available today on 4K disc and digital today, the answer was yes. And we're thrilled to have here on the Rich Eisen Show, C. Thomas Howell on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line. How are you, C. Thomas Howell? Rich, how are you? My man, call me Tommy, please. Okay, Tommy. Tommy. I was going to ask you that. Literally, it's the first question. Out of my, did, did, well, anybody... you know, it's, it's, just, it's just torture having a name. Nobody knows what the hell to call you. Well, what, is, what does the C stand for? Christopher. All right, Christopher Thomas Howell. But it's a, it's, a, it's a union thing. My father and I have the same name, and we're both in the same union. And at, as a young age, instead of being a junior, he tagged me with a C. And I got it. I didn't it. have a whole lot to say in it. But, <laughs> okay. you know, nobody's ever called me C. Okay. And uh, I've always been called Tommy. All right, Tommy. We have established all that. Those are the ground rules for the rest of this conversation. I love it. Um, before we get to the outsiders, you were in E.T. at how old were you in E.T.? I think about 13 when I did that. Gosh, so what was that's your first movie? You're 13 year old on the set with Spielberg and a Reese's yeah. Pieces eating uh, extraterrestrial and a flying bike and all that stuff that ended up happening. What was that like for you back that, in the that day? That was, well, first of all, you have to understand my father is a stunt coordinator and uh, was a stuntman his whole life. He's still active and, and working. So mm-hmm. I grew up on sets and it wasn't. Um, it it wasn't a foreign thing for me when I when I started to audition and go in and meet these type of people. And also, Rich, you have to understand that my father was a professional bull rider for twelve years, so I grew up in a, with a cowboy background. I was, you know, planning on being a cowboy myself. Mm-hmm. So pressure to me back then was, you know, I was I was roping and getting on bulls, going in and meeting a guy talking about you know, making money to, 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 to speak was like, that's not pressure at all, you know, at that point. Mm-hmm. And as a kid, you've got no responsibilities. There's no, I had no bills. I had no worries. It was just immense fun. And and the only reason I, I think I got the job was uh, because that, that role was previously cast. And God knows why, but Spielberg wanted that character to smoke a cigarette in a scene. And, uh, the the person they cast was a Mormon kid, and his mom was like, "He's not going to smoke a cigarette." And I I had the opportunity to go in the room and meet Stephen. And uh, when it when it got to the point about the cigarettes, my father, on the way down to the audition, had stopped by Seven Eleven, and we grabbed a couple of Marlboro packages, <laughs> and I practiced lighting these cigarettes, and I pulled 
this crumpled cigarette out of my pocket that did a 90 degree turn, put it in my mouth and tried to light it. And he was like, all right, kid, you got the part. (laughs) Come on. That's that's how it went down. And, and I, you know, uh, really planned on kind of doing stunts and, and, and not being an actor, but that led to, uh, me having an agent and, um, the process of, of auditioning for the outsiders, which was, an enormous process. I mean, they, they saw every single person under the age of 20, I think, you know, under the stars. And, uh, um, that began and I was able to sort of get that role. And, you know, you go, a lot of people think how great you go from Spielberg to Coppola, to Coppola Rich, yeah. but I'm here to tell you it's all downhill from there. Man. It's been <laughs> Come on. Cause we had Rob Lowe on a couple of years ago and he called it his, like college experience being there now you were younger than college age being on the set there right right you were 15 oh that, we all had a lot of firsts on that set rich there was a lot of firsts for all of us and you know it was a uh there was a real fraternity that's what he called atmosphere it to some degree right. you know and there was a real competitive sense because um coppola being a bit of a um just he was so smart and he created um, a, a real competition between the socias and the greasers. We would have barbecues on weekends, basketball games planned. They'd show up and get out of a limousine with their matching jumpsuits, and we'd get out of a pass van with whatever we brought from home. You know, they got leather binders. We got nothing. They stayed on the 16th, 17th floor. We were on the 3rd and the 4th. And they just created this sense of animosity that, of course, was you know, to some degree friendly, but trust me, when it come when it was time to rumble, we were sticking them with a few, you know what I mean? So, yeah, so, <laughs> so you know, he, let's 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 hit this. Uh, nor, normally, you know, uh, for these interviews with, with a celebrity, C. Thomas Howell, uh, we'll, we'll ask you questions that we've read about your career personally on online or on Wikipedia or whatever, and just do celebrity true or false in that regard. But I want to do a celebrity true or false on The Outsiders, uh, certainly since in celebration of the 4K Ultra HD digital uh, release of the film today. Hit it, please. We have a great uh, a production value to it as well. Hit it for C. Thomas Howell. <laughs> Celebrity, true or false? You can't handle the truth. Okay, there you go, right there. Uh, first one up for you uh, on Celebrity, True or False for the Outsiders, C. Thomas Howell. The iconic film poster was supposed to be the greasers being serious, but they're all shown laughing because Ralph Macchio made a joke about Leif Garrett standing off camera. True or false? Very true. Can you repeat the the the, uh, the, the joke? <laughs> Real quick, I'll tell you what happened. Sure, please. So we're they have the socials standing off because they've done a couple of shots of them. Mm-hmm. Um, we're there grabbing our our shots, trying to you know go blue steel. Yep. And uh, in comes the platter of of sandwiches and and um, and deli meats and all that. And they put it down. And the young person bringing that in uh, shouts out quite loudly, "Hey, you know this is this is for the talent only," which meant for the actors. Well, um, we go back to taking a few shots, and Leif, who wasn't in the room at that time, comes walking in and goes over to the sandwich. And Ralph blurts out quickly, hey, Leif, that's for the talent. <laughs> and, of course, we all lost it, and they took a shot of that. And, that's and it. that was the infamous poster. Wow. <laughs> so what do we make of it that Emilio Estevez still didn't crack his blue steel? 
What do we make of that? He just didn't. He's still know, man. he's staring down. Maybe he, he wanted the back. sandwich. Maybe 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 Leif took one of his sandwiches. Maybe that's what that is. Wow, I you love never that. Know about Emilio. Okay, uh, so that you, you, we we already covered this, but I want to ask a little bit more uh, for the purposes of this segment here. So true, it's true that during filming, the Soches were given leather-bound scripts. You were in more, in more more luxury accommodations than you. You just had paperback scripts. And you had to stay, you were on the third floor, because this says ground floor of the hotel, because Francis Ford Coppola wanted you guys to already hate each other for the scenes. Yeah, no, you know, I think I've ruined our game already. That's okay. But so (laughs) basically he did that? true. Well, what did you guys, did you guys really like uh, eventually throughout uh, filming get jealous of the other guys for having better accommodations than you? Did that really genuinely piss you off? Did it work? No, because, because, you know, I mean, Rich, I I mean, you know, is like, it wasn't a movie about the socials, you know what I mean? It was like they were all parading around with their leather-bound scripts. I was in front of the camera grabbing close-ups. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, sure. I didn't care at all. I had, I, I had stuff to do, brother. And and at that point, it was like, that. that's where, that's where the, you know, I, was, I wouldn't say I was mouthy, but I came from a very confident background. I mean, in 1979, 1980, 1981, I was California State all-around champion, junior rodeo. And I was that was what I was going to do. So, you know, I wasn't afraid to run my mouth to somebody if that started. And I was pretty quick-witted. So, you know, somebody like Leif Garrett having to listen to this little punk who's kind of, you know, not taking any guff from, from – you know, the guy who's jamming to his own cuts in the back seat with his boombox was was a pretty good was a pretty good thing to have to witness. So we had a real competitive sense that, you know, um was very interesting and I feel kinda of bad that uh you know it it at times um became that because ultimately I think everybody loved each other. But it was really set up to you know, to some degree for us to to feel that. And I think a really good director does that. And, mm-hmm. you know, all of the best directors create an environment for their actors to go into. And I think that's why filming it in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where it was written, um, was was epic. Uh, it took everybody out of their own comfort zone. And, you know, when you shoot a, a film or a TV show where you all live, there is no bonding after work. You all go back to your own lives and deal with your own stuff, and you bring all that crap with you to work the next day. Mm-hmm. But in a situation like this, we went back home together, and you know, we we were working together. And I remember Rob Lowe and Patrick Swayze, rest his soul. I did, I did three pictures with Patrick. I did Red Dawn with him, which was epic, and we did uh, 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 something that probably nobody ever saw called Grandview USA with Jamie Lee Curtis and. He was like a real brother to me. Um, a quick tale about Patrick. Please. Uh, my father was a stunt coordinator in a movie called Urban Cowboy. I've heard of that. Travolta about riding the bucking machine, if you guys remember, mm-hmm. 78, 79. And Patrick Swayze's mother, Patsy Swayze, was the dance choreographer on that film. Patrick was on that set working with John a little bit with his two-step. Come on. And I was there riding the bucking machine to help John sort of advance along and get over the fear of it when he saw this little kid riding it, because my dad brought me down and I would ride this bucking machine. And I met Patrick when I was about, oh, I guess 11, 12 years old. Amazing. um, On the set of 
urban cowboy was hanging out with him and his family probably two, three years before the Outsiders ever even came around. But and then Tra- we did three pictures together. Travolta already had his Saturday Night Fever moment, and we know, mm-hmm. obviously, Swayze's maneuvers from Dirty Dancing. Are you telling me that Swayze helped him with moves on Urban Cowboy? I'm, Is that what you're I'm saying? telling you that Swayze was a big part of teaching John that two-step with Deborah Winger in that movie. And he also, because John was so... John was beyond with the dancing. But to be really clear, Patrick stood in for John and would work with Deborah on her dancing as John, because John was advanced and ready to go. You know, he was amazing. You, you're not going to really teach him a lot. Mm-hmm. Once he learned the steps, he was he was money. But there was still a process getting getting Deborah there, and there's still a bit of a process just teaching John the steps, and Swayze was a big part of that. How about that? Celebrity, true or false? Swayze was an overachiever, man. Swayze was a classic overachiever, and in the most beautiful way. I, I, I have to tell you, you know, he just the mm. guy wanted to play the guitar and sing. Number one song, you know. He and and I'll tell you this: this is how brilliant the guy is. So, a real quick Red Dawn story. Mm-hmm. Um, Jennifer Grey, who was in Dirty Dancing, yes. played Baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, the two of them didn't get along great, to be honest with you, on Red Dawn. In fact. Rich, there was a there was a love scene written in Red Dawn between Swayze's character and Jennifer Grey's character, and Swayze really did not want to do it, and he offended her deeply, and it got down to the fact that when they had to go to the director, and you know, Millions had already worked with Swayze on Uncommon Valor, so they were pretty tight, right? Mm-hmm. And Swayze just felt it wasn't appropriate for the film he says it's it's not going to move this story forward it's not about that and it was a big scene for her a lot of dialogue and a big moment so she was really bent out of shape and we had about two or three weeks of shooting left and the two of them didn't really speak much and i know she did not appreciate what he what he had done there but he stuck to his guns and didn't feel it was appropriate and i think he was right here you go cut to right couple years later she's cast first in the role as baby in dirty dancing they're searching up and down for this guy Johnny, right, to, to play to play the, the 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 role opposite her. They can't find the guy. They're looking everywhere. Could you imagine the look on her face when they finally say, "Guess what? We found no your kidding. guy." How about- oh my lord! You're gonna love this. It's your friend Patrick Swayze. The look on her face must have been, "Oh my god, man!" And what did Swayze do? He turned that crap around, and he made an amazing movie. And everybody, that was a huge hit, that little movie. Of course. Of course. So he put Baby in a corner before Baby was put in a corner. Uh-huh. That's what you're saying. You ain't lying. Oh, you ain't lying. Gosh. And, you know, he just had the ability to do that. He was just classic overachiever, you know. You could just say, hey, I got a butterfly net. I'm going to try catching butterflies. He'd be like, well, I went to the Olympics in 68 <laughs> butterfly catching. Wow. I've never, <laughs> I, I never got to meet Patrick Swayze. I Great have met I ha- I have met Jennifer Gray out here in Los Angeles. She's a delightful person. She's as delightful person I've ever met. You so. would have loved Patrick. He was a great guy. I bet. All right, so returning to The Outsiders, uh, Celebrity True or False, I've got a couple left here. In the Rumble Go scene, ahead. you were the first guy punched, and you got cold-cocked. It was a real punch. True or false? Very true story, so I'll try to answer that quickly. Sure. Uh, I, I, we had choreographed for about, oh, three, four weeks. This extensive stunt fight, this 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 elaborate sort of melee with a bunch of people, and 
um, I had, you know, a pretty good exchange, you know, two judo chops and some karate kicks and whatever you do, right? So I was practicing all that stuff, getting ready to do it. We show up on the first night. It's a three-night shoot, this whole rumble. The first night is sort of the introduction, you know, getting us all lined up and staring each other down, bringing everybody to each other and kind of picking sides and saying, I'll take you, I take you. The next night was going to be the real beginning of the fight. The first night we get there, Rich, it's pouring rain. And we're like, what the hell are we going to do? We shoot the whole thing in the pouring rain. We come back the next night. There's no rain, but there's a fire department there with, with hoses, just, you know, smiles, squirting us all night as we begin to rumble. The very first punch thrown was from a friend of mine named Reed Rondell. He comes from a very well-known stunt family called the Rondell family. He throws the first punch and slips in the mud and tagged me on the chin for real. And down I went as this melee took place. We cut. I go over to Francis and I'm like, Francis, you know, we got to do it again. I didn't get to do, you know, the judo chops and the flips and the rolls and all that stuff. He's like, no, you got, it looked like you got pounded in the face and you went down in the mud. It was great. I said, yeah, that's what happened. He said, yeah, but that's what happened. Now you got Matt Dillon dragging me out of the, out of the damn thing. I never got to throw a punch. I just took one of the chin and dropped. And that was how, that's what happened to Pony Boy in the damn room. That was my big shiny moment, brother. Uh, last one for you here. Uh, in the scene, uh, the fountain scene where Leif Garrett attempts to drown you, Pony Boy, apparently later on after filming, the uh, six other uh, outsiders jokingly mocked the scene in the lobbies. Uh, the hotel that you were staying in, the lobby fountain of the hotel, <laughs> trying to drown each other playfully, and the hotel removed the fountain after that. Is that a true story? Yeah. Well, I will tell you this. That first part did happen, mm -hmm. and that fountain did disappear. Now, <laughs> why, I don't know. Was it? Was it connected? Uh, it makes for a good story, Rich. Well, the writer of the uh, S.E. Hinton is the person who told this story, that the hotel had the fountain removed within weeks because they didn't That's want hilarious. you. That's hilarious. Let me tell you one thing I learned. Do not mess with S.E. Hinton, period. <laughs> That's it. What a great woman she was. And imagine this, writing this thing when you're 17 years old in high school like she did. Mm -hmm. So basically, I just... I guess uh, made you learn something from Celebrity True or False based yeah, on this film. You did. How about that? Because Rob Lowe did. also said he turned, he told us he turned 18 during filming and you totally hazed him in his hotel room. Like he saran wrapped yeah, his I toilet. Yeah, I think we did. I think we did. We did some good stuff to him. Uh, it was pretty, it was a prank oriented set. A lot of things happened. You know, <sighs> it was a, I do recall sort of, taking a fire hydrant and unscrewing the eyepiece that you look through your, you know, to see who's on the other side for some reason. Yes. In this hotel, you could unscrew it from the outside. And I just pumped a bunch of, you know, extinguisher smoke into his room and mm. phoned him and said there was a fire. And, man, he came jetting downstairs with his camera and in his skivvies and nothing else. And we had a pretty good laugh at that. But they got to me too. They got they they all pranked me pretty good. I remember one time I went home at four in the morning and everything in my room was turned upside down. My bed, everything <laughs> upside down. It was horrible. I wanted to go to sleep so bad, and I had to go get another room for the day for them to fix my room. No. Things like that were happening all the time. 
Last yeah, one. Back then, you could do that stuff, Rich. Now, I guess so. Now I sit in the corner. I'm quiet. I can't say anything, man. Uh, you, you know, you, you used to maybe be able to say something inappropriate occasionally for a laugh. Now, man, you are, you are, you are you know, on your best behavior. There are, there is no jokes anymore, brother. Last one for you. You want to ask it, T.J. Jefferson, Rich Eisen, social media uh, grand race. Sure, I'll do that. Go for it. Hey, hey, Tommy, I just want to say I'm loving this interview. Um, the Outsiders, Red Dawn, two of my favorite movies. I've couldn't even tell you how much I watch these, those two flicks. But um, awesome. I'm reading that Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Cam Neely. Were they in the movie with you guys as well, or is uh, that a false? Uncredited socias. Is that true? That's false. That's false. Yeah. Okay. That's what so it, we got a false Flea one. of 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 Red Hot Chili Peppers yeah, and the they, great Cam Neely. They have it in IMDb. I think Cam Neely was in uh, Kingpin, though. I think yeah, Cam no, Neely he was, was in, in um, Dumb, Dumb, Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber. Okay, that's very good. Uh, hey, man, C. Thomas Howell, this has been great. Rich, I'm a big fan. Thank Thanks you. for having me on the show. Right back at you, man. Congrats on, on, on everything that's gone on in your career, and I appreciate you going down memory lane with me here. Appreciate it. Can't wait to meet you someday, man. Keep at it. Okay, Tommy, there you go. That's C. <laughs> Thomas Howell right there on the Rich Eisen Show. The Outsiders, go get it. I mean, those photographs uh, are unbelievable that we just were popping on the screen right there. Unbelievable. Diane Lane was in it too. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Diane Lane is just one of my favorites of all time. All of them. Matt Dillon. Emilio. Didn't we say Ralph Macho just turned 60 the other day? Yeah. yeah. 60. Oh, 60. Gosh. Look how young they are on the screen, Matt yeah. Dillon, too. I love this. I mean, I read this book. I think the first time I read it, I was 11. Uh, Probably read The Outsiders at least five times. Couldn't tell you how many times I've watched that movie. I watched it like two weeks ago. That was fun. That was fun. Fun, fun, fun. Uh, all right, we'll, we'll tell you who's on the rest of the week. When we come back, phone calls, 844-204-RICH and Brockman. Uh, well, you know, you've been looking at the uh, Twitter feed over the last 20, 40 minutes. We've been interviewing folks. Looks like you're interested in something over there. <laughs> we'll hit you on that subject when we come back right here on The Rich Eisen Show. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. This is the Rich Eisen Show. So Woj just sent out a tweet, okay, uh, about about the Darren Williams and Frank Gore are uh, are fighting. Oh yeah. Uh, on uh, Jake Paul, uh, they're on the undercard of Jake Paul. Who's Jake Paul fighting? That one I don't know. Uh, Tommy Fury, which uh, Tommy is Tommy Fury. Okay, Tyson yeah, right. Fury's okay, Josh, brother, yeah, right. Okay, Tommy Fury. All right, I know Tommy. Tommy. I've, you know, Tommy. We just Tommy. talked to Tommy. Okay. Uh, and 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 Chris Mannix said you have no idea who those people are. And Woj with a great response, um, telling Mannix that he had him on mute. Um, 
And we're said, who who does who would he? Uh, I think he would definitely know who Frank Gore is, right? Yeah. And he wrote, um, I, I think he was talking about the two guys leading the card. Woj writes, I vaguely know the Jake Paul story, and I definitely know Frank Gore. All right, there you go. He answered the question. Yeah. Woj is on it, man. I mean, he's accurate. He's even being accurate on his. Just to make sure that everyone understands the joke is that he was muting Mannix, which he doesn't. <laughs> which is a funny joke. I love Woj. That's hilarious. Woj's wordplay during an NBA draft is truly, that should be part of English classes everywhere. <laughs> is how he's not allowed to tip the picks, but the words that he uses for drafting, the synonyms that he uses for drafting, targeting this player, I don't know. Has like, an affinity for this player. Yeah. All that's just so great. Zeroing in on. Zeroing in on. Honing in on. Wonder I wrote them all down. Enamored with. Yeah, that's great. That's why I like Knicks to stay are enamored with. It's just, it really, it should be taught in English classes. Yeah. I like to stay off of Twitter during that. I don't want to be tipped off. Like, no, I, I want, I want the, just give it to me. Exactly know? right. Yeah. Exactly. I get it. So, uh, our friends at Mercedes Benz. Uh, and the sprinters and the sprinter vans and the vans that in general for them, uh, they are excited when I ask you this question and you don't respond to it. Okay. I've had talks with them. <laughs> they, well, they don't want us to chime They in. don't want you. But we to have dreams. Yeah, I have lots of answer, dreams. Answer. Okay. And we I love all Mercedes. Have, we all have dreams. Okay. What a Benzo. We all have dreams. One of them is a Benzo. But it's a rhetorical question. Uh, when was the last time uh, you thought about your dreams? You understand? Yeah, I do. No, it's I, a rhetorical well, question because a lot of people, sometimes we go about our business too much and we don't think about our dreams enough. And Mercedes-Benz vans, the Mercedes-Benz Sprinter folks are telling everybody that there is a premium choice for you to just go live your dream, to go out and live the van life, to go out throw caution to the wind and say, you know what? There's so much going on in my life. I'm actually going to hop in a Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van that is totally customized. So you can expect innovative safety features like crosswind assist and blind spot assist. You can expect amazing performance and reliability with an MBUX voice command system, a five-star dealer network, and an available gas engine. And just say, you know what? I do want to go see every single mountain in this world i do want to go actually build a mountain cabin with somebody i actually do want to go out and start my own business by the way yeah so maybe it's not it's a dream about business maybe you do want to go see every national park site in the united states so that's why you you're not supposed to answer the question oh okay gonna have talked to the mercedes-benz <laughs> folks can i ask a question now so head oh. to the mercedes-benz van dealership <laughs> and get that sprinter and tell them your dream sent you right here on the rich johnson show Yes, now you may uh, now mean, you may say something. Did, did you really speak to the Benz yes, people? Yes, I did. Okay. <laughs> and they brought that up? That was a point of... I did. That was a note? That was a bullet point? Is it like Fra Woj pretending to know who Frank Gore is? Yeah. No, I literally... Excuse you me. Really, you, you, know, you, guys think, you guys think when I walk, walk out of here... <laughs> That I don't do anything for this show. You don't. You don't. Yeah, think, we don't. I think you go right home and exactly. nap until the next morning. Pretty That's much. Or I'm, or I'm. Or I'm the best dad ever. You know, I, I, I've got. I got a lot of plates spinning. I'm spinning plates. You don't think like I'm. I'm part. I'm all about this. I think you get chauffeured home. I don't think home. anyone's disputing that. So am I creating a false controversy? Is that what you're saying? Perhaps. Perhaps. I just don't know about this Mercedes really like I spoke to them. I've zoomed with them. I'm I'm And you brought up way, specifically. You know what I you know and what they're I, bringing us up? 
They know who we are? No, I'm bringing you up. Oh, then why'd you say oh, something? Then why would you, why would you why throw would you us under the bus I like want to make that. sure we're all good. <laughs> I'm saying, though, but like... You didn't have to like. You're throwing us under. I'm the not the Mercedes van. Sprinter, a, a premium. Yeah. Sprinter, Sprinter van. No, I want to make sure that again, because I, you know, I don't just take it for granted that a brand like Mercedes Benz is like, yeah, we'll we'll put our brand on your show. Like that's amazing. Yeah, it's very it's great. right, and Love I it. don't take it for granted. So I want to make sure that when I talk about their product, that they're I'm talking about. As they say in the Los Angeles Hollywood world, the beats. I want them, you know, they have the beats yeah. of, of the story that they want me to tell. And if I'm like, say, hey, you know, when was the last time you 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 thought about your dream? And one of you two stunads chimes in, last night. It's like, no, like that's <laughs> that might not be what they're looking for, unless they want the, the levity and the comedy associated with their that's kind of very we were... serious message that they'd like to get across. <laughs> that's kind of what we were thinking. Does that you know? You know, so I mean, I get, yeah. I get it. W what did they say? I mean, did they specifically say no? Though they asked me if I could get rid of you people, <laughs> oh. and it got really awkward fast. I bet, yeah. No, I'm starting to sweat right now. Oh my god! Hey, Rich, we're an hour and eight minutes until uh, Odell Beckham could potentially clear waiver. And so, uh, Jordan Schultz uh, on Twitter, he is uh, um, in NFL media. Um, reporter, he's saying that Odell is targeting once he gets through waivers. Prioritize. And he's lighting up all the candles right now to make sure that he's not getting picked up on waivers. I don't think he's going to get picked up. Not for seven. I don't think so either. Not for seven and a quarter million. So um, he wants to go play for the Packers. And I say to him, great choice, sir. Mm -hmm. Great choice, and I hope the Packers are saying yes to that. Come on now. now. He can't have 13. That's Alan Lazard's. Let's figure out what else. What do you, what do you wear in college? Was he 13 in college, too? Uh, good question. I don't know. I don't know Good that off the top of my head. I think it was a single digit in college, wasn't he? I feel like it was. He wore three. Yeah. Who's number three? Is there a three? Because if it's Kurt Bankard, he's going to have to cough that one up. <laughs> All due respect. That's, you know what I'm you saying? Couldn't, you couldn't change Let's your go. number right now, right? Because then you no, have no, to pay for your no, but, but no, the jersey's team, not already, can, There's yeah, no thirteen. There's team. no thirteen in Green there's Bay. No three there's three on Green Bay. There we go. No three. All right. So the number's available. Let's let's go. go. Let's go. Let's go. I don't want to see that. <laughs> well, yeah, because that's a that's a cowboy fan yeah, talking cowboy right there. Fan. Let's go. Let's go in this whole bit. Like, Can obviously, you need Can to play, play You need to play within a construct and all that. And he understands a construct and what have you. But who would be better if the play breaks down and Devontae Adams is covered and Rodgers is... Yeah. is... Or, uh, Come on. Hey, hey, Odell. Come on. Run a go route. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. go. Here we go. I, I want to see that. I want to see Aaron Rodgers. I want to see Odell. I want to see Odell standing in front of the hole that he punched in the wall in the visitors' locker room with the Giants' loss that time. That's probably been patched over. I'm sure it has been. I want to see it. I want to see it all. Let's go. Uh, on tomorrow's show, scheduled guest just added. George Kittle, one of our favorites. Yeah, it's delightful. And in studio, Bill Pullman, the actor Bill Pullman. When I mentioned Bill Pullman to my wife, she's like, while you were sleeping, I mentioned Bill Pullman to you guys. You're like Independence Day or yeah, Spaceballs, right? Space balls, yeah. Susie does Spaceballs, too. She loves Mel Brooks movies. 
And we've got, uh, I can't wait to chat with him. That is going to be a total blast. Love it. Bill Pullman That's in studio so and also with you. Um, Chris hey, Rich. and guys, just don't stare at me, okay? <laughs> I think you're taunting me when you're looking at me. That's what we've established, okay? You guys are freaking me out. Jay, that's just the way you always look at me. I understand. <laughs> don't, don't. You guys are taunting me, and it's making me uncomfortable. And that's an odd way to end the show.